0: You like wrestling? Want to save some money? Go to starcast.com right now. There's a flash sale going on because StarCast 4 is coming to Baltimore and it's happening next weekend, November 7th through the 10th. You don't want to miss it. All the great stars of AEW will be there. Plus, all the legends from Jim Crockett promotions and World Championship Wrestling. All the fun stuff like Robocop and a Yeti and a Shockmaster, but also all the Hall of Famers. How about staying in the red, white, and blue for the first time ever? with the actual world title he won for Ric Flair in 1990, plus the great Muda and his original paint and the old TV title. And how about the first ever live appearance by Jim Crockett? You don't want to miss it. You can't get this deal anywhere else. You've got to go to starcast.com right now. The flash sale is happening right now, but it's going to end today. Go to starcast.com, put in the promo code flash, and you'll get 50% off. You can also come check out the official after party after AEW's pay per view full gear. Oh, you want to come to Tony Schiavone's birthday party? No problem. That's at Jimmy's Famous on Thursday, and it's on there as well. But if you can't make it to Baltimore, don't worry about it, man. Go to starcastonfight.com. Check out the incredible lineup of shows, including what has to be the most historically significant panel we've ever done Jim Crockett, David Crockett on stage, one time only. With Dave Meltzer and Bruce Mitchell getting the good, the bad, and the ugly and everything about Jim Crockett promotions out there. And how about this? The Great Muda. With the help of a translator, you know him, Sonny Ono. You get to ask the Great Muda questions, hear his story for the very first time, plus all the great stars of AEW, John Moxley sitting down with JR, the entire Rhodes clan sitting down with Kenny McIntosh from inside the ropes. And how about the Young Bucks finally sitting down with Excalibur for a panel we're calling Killing the Business? Taz is going to host Jurassic Express for his Taz show. So many great shows, we can't list them all here. But if you pre order at starcastonfight.com, you not only get StarCast 4, you get 1, 2, and 3. It's something crazy. It's like 100 hours of content. You don't want to miss it. Go to starcastonfight.com right now and pre order ahead of next weekend, and you get 1, 2, and 3 included. And don't forget, today only, use that promo code FLASH and you'll get 50% off your meet and greets for StarCast 4. In Baltimore.
1: Welcome to something to wrestle. Birds Preacher. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She put it. <laughs> it. What? What oh, yeah, There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor, and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor, innuendo. And, and Was he there? I was there. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared of shit. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. Bruce. Ah, the-
0: thompson and you're listening to
1: something to wrestle with bruce pritchard bruce what's going on man how are you well i'm just wonderful we're just working on this kind of voice and uh we'll go as long as it goes
0: yeah i guess we should mention you are uh, as sick as a dog today and we appreciate you powering through because we're doing something that has been one of our more requested episodes believe it or not it's all about the fabulous Moolah, and she made a lot of headlines a few years ago, and that's when we started to really get blown up. I know you weren't there for a lot of that, but you were there for a lot of Moolah, uh, especially the Attitude Era run, and I think a lot of fans sort of gravitate to that Attitude Arrow run. And a lot of that is because, you know, it's what we grew up on, and the cool thing about WWE 2K20 is that you can relive all the great stuff with the legends, but you can also relive the groundbreaking journey of the four horsewomen and the women's evolution from their start in NXT to 2019, when the women finally headlined WrestleMania for the first time in history, all in the 2K showcase. And for the first time ever in WWE 2K, you can play as both a male or female character in my career, and you can unlock WWE legends, original characters, and unique environments as you make your way from the indies to the WWE Hall of Fame. My career is fully voiced featuring performances by more than 40 WWE superstars, NXT superstars, and legends, making it perhaps the best version of my career experience yet. WWE 2k 20 also shines a spotlight on the big dog, Roman reigns and 2k towers. Roman's reign. You'll follow the big dog through his early days in WWE, including his time as a member of the shield to his rivalries with Lesnar and Cena, undertaker and more. Overall, you get sixteen matches to compete in, and then you live out key chapters and reign's impressive mark on WWE history, all while claiming championships and igniting the WWE universe along the way. And this new WWE 2K20 roster is loaded. More than 180 of your favorite WWE superstars, legends, hall of famers, NXT talent, and never before seeing characters. Really, you just got to see to believe. Now the good news is this is available now for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. And I don't know if you saw Bruce, but recently they put out a statement saying they realized there were some glitches in the game. They're going to be issuing a patch and supposedly a whole lot new of new content, new characters, new environments. They're going to, the good thing about 2k 20 is this thing is going to be ever evolving with you.
1: Well, that's because of Ramon. Aranda. No, the folks over at 2k, they're listening to it and they're going to fix everything and make it right and make it the best damn game you ever played.
0: Yeah, and I have a lot of confidence in uh, Ramon and Bryce and the the staff that are over there that, you know, whatever sort of little hiccups there have been here there, this thing is going to be really, really kick-ass because they're committed to it. They've always done right by us and they're just like you listening to this show, long time, something to wrestle fans, believe it or not, they were one of our first advertisers here on the show. So we appreciate their support and their loyalty and we hope you will extend some of that too and check out the new WWE 2K20 And, uh, the graphics I've seen from this, especially when I saw like the teaser video of the fiend, man, that was unbelievable. And I know we don't talk about current stuff, but man, how about it? we got a new universal champion
1: today. Do we not? Got to love it. Just watch it myself as a matter of fact.
0: So of course we're talking about the, uh, the big historic event that happened today, Bruce and I are taping this on Halloween, but tomorrow when you're listening, I guess that'll be old news. So we're going to talk about some old news and, the big piece that we're going to talk about today is, is fabulous Moolah and man, there's just so much meat on the bone with Mula's history. I think most people know that, you know, she was, uh, an old timer before old timer was really even a thing. July 22nd, 1923 is when Mary Lillian Ellison was born. Now uh, we lost her in 2007 and, uh, she began her career working with promoter Billy Wolf and, uh, his wife wrestler and trainer Mildred Burke. And she even worked alongside the nature boy, buddy Rogers. When do you, um, first remember hearing about Moolah because Moolah was already in the business by the time you were paying attention.
1: You know what? I mean, Moolah's career spans almost as long as that WCW Halloween Havoc that you made me watch last week.
0: Which by the way is without question,
1: the worst episode we've ever done. It is, but for some reason, people are gluttons for punishment and loved it. What the hell are we doing? Well,
0: I don't know that they loved it. Well, we had some feedback that it was good, but I still think it's the worst one we've ever done. And it's making, I agree me, with you. It's making me reconsider ever doing a watch long, And I had one planned for next week. We have had lots of requests for the wrestling classic over the years, but God damn, I don't know that I can do that again.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll have to, we'll play that one by ear. We, that'll be a TBD to be determined. But let's get back to the subject at hand, the fabulous Moolah. And the first time that I ever remember Moolah was, God, I had to be a kid, probably six or seven years old, in the wrestling magazines because you would always get the ratings. And at the top, they would have like the NWA, the AWA, the WWWF. And then they would have the women, and they would have the tag teams. And Fabulous Moolah was always the champion in the women. And then the first time that I remember her coming to Houston, where I actually saw her live, was in the early 1970s. And didn't actually get to meet Moolah until late 70s, early 80s. But uh, the first time I remember was from the wrestling magazines at a very, very young and impressionable age.
0: I got to tell you, this is, uh, something that it predates me a great deal, but I do want to talk a little bit about her winning the NWA world's women championship in 56. She's the most prominent holder of the title for like 28 years. Um, I'm just fascinated with how wrestling worked back in the fifties. You know, the, the good old days of the NWA, do you suspect that the women's title, obviously it's not nearly as prestigious as the men, but do you suspect that it was still the same concept? They were voting on who would be the NWA women's champion, or was that a different thing completely?
1: That was a different thing completely because it was controlled for the most part in later years and eventually by Moolah and Mula was the the preeminent women's wrestler. She was she was the champ. She was the top dog. She was the trainer. She was the booker. She she was the whole shebang. And at that time in the fifties, there was Mildred Burke, who kind of broke Mula into the business, to my knowledge. and And Mildred had controlled the wrestling, the women's side of wrestling for many many years. And then when Mula came in all of a sudden there was a little bit of competition for that top spot. Moolah took it over. And once Moolah took it over, she never really looked back and Mildred went on her way, but it was a completely different time in that the promoters, not just the NWA, but the promoters in every organization, you went to one spot to book the women wrestlers and is, you know, when you, you think about this in 2019, you're going back 60, 70 years. All right. And the way that the matches were advertised would be you would have a ad in the local newspaper and you would get your main event. So Billy White Wolf versus Whipper Watson and maybe one other match plus the girls or plus the midgets and the women wrestlers and the little people were special attractions that would make the loop and they would go and travel all over the country. Didn't work in a particular territory, didn't have programs per se, didn't tell stories or have big angles. They were an attraction to the the promotions all across the country. And, when the women would come into the territory, they would make the loop. So if the territory consisted of 10 cities, the women came in for two weeks and they would just make the loop and make all of the towns. They would get their pay. Usually, um, in later days, they, they paid Mula directly, but they would get paid and then they would be on to the next tour. And, Moolah was able to book the women she trained all over the country as well. So it wasn't just, just Moola, it was all the women that she managed and trained and was able to, to book all over the country.
0: All right, Bruce, let's run a timeout right now to tell everybody how to save some money and we know eventually we're going to talk about the financial aspects of Moolah and the rumor and innuendo about her perhaps taking money that didn't belong to her. Well, if you've got credit card debt, man, that's happening to you right now. If you're in a 30 year loan, same deal. You're overpaying your single biggest bill. I can help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. It's a quick quote right now at save with And I know what you're thinking. I'm licensed in more than 40 States. We can help you in your state too. check it out. Save with If you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got credit card debt, if you've got a second mortgage, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much find out right now for free. And you'll even get to skip your next two house payments. If you haven't already, you won't have to make your November or your December house payment. You're done until next year and come next year. You're going to have a better mortgage. We have routinely helped something to wrestle listeners save 60, 70, even $80,000 worth of unnecessary interest. Really think about that. Without taking advantage of these historically low rates right now, you're going to wind up working for that money, paying taxes on it, and then just giving it away. Keep more of your own money. Go to savewithconrad.com right now, and we're going to show you how to skip your next two house payment, lower your monthly payments, get rid of all your credit card debt, and most importantly, get out of debt faster, saving you tens of thousands of dollars worth of unnecessary interest. Don't take my word for it. Get a quick quote. You'll be glad you did. SavewithConrad.com. Again, no cost, no obligation, and even credit scores in the five hundreds can be approved. That's savewithconrad.com. And a MLS number six five zero eight four, equal housing lender. I'm just fascinated with, with this entire industry and its its early years. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of the rumor and innuendo, but we'll do that a little later in the show. I do feel like we should probably just sort of Hit the high points on, you know, when she really sort of rose to prominence from a mainstream standpoint. And the first time I remember seeing anything about Mula is when she was, you know, in the eighties and the WWF was part of the rock and wrestling connection. And she's going to be feuding with Wendy Richter. And this is when Cindy Lompers around and all that. And they have a match at, uh, the, the brawl to end it all in 1984 And this is when Moolah would actually beat Wendy for the belt, which is just remarkable because you're talking about somebody who, you know, started wrestling, you know, a long time before that. And here she is in the eighties, you know, still getting after it. But I think the match that most people really remember is the other match she had with Wendy Richter, this time under hood. Uh, she wrestled a spider lady and a lot of people refer to this as the original screw job before we talk about that, you know, talk to us about her positioning in this, you know, rock and wrestling era with, uh, you know, she's sort of supposed to be the, the Roddy Piper of the females, I guess.
1: Well, you also have to understand the state of the business at that time, because here was the evil empire of New York that are branching out now and they are going into other people's territories and Vince has got nationwide television. So anybody that was working for Vince at that time, they they were considered to those of us on the outside. That was the enemy. And it was a younger, more radical crew. But when Mula made the jump and Moolah out of loyalty to Vince and out of loyalty to Vince's father, when she made the jump, all of a sudden people are going, well, those that use the women were saying, where am I going to get my women from now? Because Mula had dominated the booking, the women for so many years, that was a major blow in a great many respects because People didn't know what, what the hell to do, and they were shocked that Mula actually agreed to just work, just work New York and only work for Vince in the WWE because it was she had made a living for herself and for those that she trained for so many years, booking them out all over the world. So this was a that was a huge, huge deal.
0: It is a huge deal, and you know we would see her be such a big part of this early explosion of Vince McMahon. You know, I mean the the brawl to end it all, and then of course, um, it's such an interesting time in the business. You know, because it's not like the women's division is uh, it's just flush with with talent. I mean, there's not nearly as many female wrestlers as there are males, and it's controlled so differently and. But Vince feels like there's a spot for it. So in these early days, you know, it's all about Wendy Richter and Leilani Kai and fabulous Moolah. And, and then sort of out of nowhere, we get, uh, the spider lady situation. We should talk about that a little bit. I'm sure with, with what we know about Vince is true. Maybe Vince wanted to go with the youth or whatever, and he wants to push Wendy Richter and... She is sort of the featured female talent at WrestleMania one. Uh, and that's of course, is uh end March 85, but fast forward a little bit towards the end of November, they're back in New York, of course at MSG. And Wendy Richter is going to have a different experience here with the spider lady, which is fabulous Moolah under hood, but we don't acknowledge that talk to me. I mean, I know you weren't with the company at the time, but talk to me a little bit about what you remember with this.
1: Well, the, the whole rock and wrestling connection, the, the business had exploded, and there were so many new eyeballs, and, and Wendy was the darling. Wendy was the female face right next to Hulk Hogan of the W.W.A., and it was just there was so much heaped on everybody, uh, depending upon what version you you, you want to believe, and and here I, I've heard several, and the general consensus was was that Wendy, you know, she had a lot of success, and I think that she felt that either she wanted more money or she wanted she wanted more. And at the time, they were looking to well, we need to develop more, and you will get more. Um, that Vince felt it was time to. Change the championship and Wendy didn't want to do that. Wendy felt that uh, her being the champion was the only way to go. and Wasn't looking to drop the championship anytime soon. So the, as they say, the original screw job, which if you go back in history, there's probably a hundred original screw jobs before that one. Um, But they had the spider lady go out and have the match and. The referee just counted one, two, three. I don't even think Wendy's shoulders were close to being down on the mat for two or three, but, um, the switch was made. And the reason for putting Moolah in there was that Moolah could handle herself. Uh, if anything happened physically or anything like that happened in in the ring, that Moolah was, was a tough one, man. Moolah was as tough as the day was long. and, She could handle herself. So that's when you combine all the stories together, that when you kind of sift through everything, that's what I think happened.
0: We should mention that, um, she wrote about this in her book and Meltzer would do a recap and he says, story I was most interested in was the match on November 25th, 1985 in Madison square garden, where she got the title back. It was McMahon's first November screw job and Mula was the key person in the sting because unlike with Shawn Michaels, where Hart was tricked into getting in a position and a quick bell ring Mula, then 62 would have to do it herself with no help, but none of that was in the book. Just that Richter was smoking marijuana and getting the big head. Mula was just biding her time, waiting for a rematch to win back her title. And they tricked Richter into thinking someone else was under the mask and she pinned her to win the title. Like she's won all of her matches. And Meltzer would say the actual story went something like this. Richter had complained about money to Vince, the same thing that was happening, you know, probably with Sable and China and several other examples through wrestling history. Meltzer would say in the case of Richter, she was shoved hard and got more publicity than perhaps anyone, but Hogan, Roddy Piper, Andre, and one or two others, but she didn't draw like they did. And women's wrestling was always mid card filler, no matter how hard McMahon pushed it. And he did try because of the Lauper connection and the uniqueness of an attractive woman wrestler, she got more media attention than just about anyone in the company. She was young, pretty, and you Cindy Lauper's girls just want to have fun entrance theme, which was so far and away better than everyone else's music at the time. So she always got a big pop. When an experiment was done to put her in positions where she had to anchor the card as a draw, she didn't draw. Problems had arisen, and I don't know if her contract had expired or she didn't have one, but she went to the ring that night for a match with Spider Lady, played by Penny Mitchell. As she hit the gorilla position, who was there, but, well, the gorilla. The gorilla told her that here was her contract and to sign it. She said she needed to read it and wouldn't until showing it to her lawyer, which was something you weren't supposed to say in those days. She went into the ring, and as it turned out, Mula, not Mitchell, was under the mask, Richter expected to win, but Mula, while working with her, cradled her and held on for dear life in the ref can of three. In reality, Mula didn't quite get the job done as Richter kicked out just before three, as she would on any near fall and the ref hit the mat anyway, but Richter was screwed out of her title and Mula unmasked. Richter stormed out of the garden without saying goodbye to anyone or even changing. She never worked another match for the WWF ever again. and was out of mainstream wrestling shortly thereafter and became a nearly forgotten footnote in history. It's a great story, especially since version two has become one of the biggest stories in the history of professional wrestling, man, what an interesting story. Um, I don't know why it's convenient that it's also in November, but there's another version of the story that you had sort of alluded to. I mean, what do you make of this? Does, does that, does that version check out that she thought since I've been featured so much, I need to be paid more. And that's not that uncommon. And I, I sort of see why she would think that. And the reason I say this is because the brawl for End It all, which we talked about earlier, that was a live MTV special in Madison square garden. And the, the sort of hook for the whole thing was the appearance from Cindy Lauper as Richter's manager. And of course the match was terrible, but it got tons of mainstream attention and at the time was like one of the highest rated pro wrestling matches in the history of cable television. And, you know, Mula is going to portray that when her fight with Wendy here is real and she had been the champion for, you know, what felt like 28 years at the time, but still, I mean, this, this thing does big business, you know, with the ratings, I think it got like a nine or something insane. So I understand why she would want more money.
1: Well, but let's, okay. As you're, you're going through all that. Look at, it was MTV. Right. Cindy Lauper was the hottest act in the world. She had a number one song. It was in M- M- MTV's infancy where girls just want to have fun was being played in rotation practically every hour. What? And we dress that we, I wasn't there. They dressed it up with everybody from Albano to Piper to Hogan. When you, when you really look at it, it was the package.
0: No, no. To be clear, I'm not suggesting that she drew the house. I'm just saying, I think we would hear that same type of talk from, from guys too. I don't think this was unique to her. I think. Anybody, a lot of male talent in that same situation would say, look at all this money they're making and I'm on top and you know, they're getting more than me. I mean, this is very common where guys are complaining about their spot or complaining about their payday. So I don't think it's unusual. They would always point to, well, we did this or we did that without really giving the full context like you did. I mean, it's clear that this is MTV when MTV was cool and one of the hottest acts and she just happens to be there. Not the same thing, but when you guys were trying to do a Saturday Night's Main Event with Mike Tyson, he was the hottest thing there, you know, and we know the Buster Douglas thing happened, and it is what it is, but timing is everything, and if she was, you know, just somewhere in the middle of the card, and not with Cindy Lauper, what does that look like? Not nearly the same.
1: Right, and also, you know, and I I won't discount Wendy Richter at all, because Wendy was... I thought Wendy was great. And I thought Wendy had just been with us in mid South right before she went to New York. And man, uh, Wendy could have been the face for a long, long time. Um, but it happens. It happens to talent all of the time. And unfortunately it happened with Wendy, but, but, You got to look at the whole, you got to look at the whole package and understand that you're, you're part of a team and you're part of a package that when you start taking parts of that package away, is it as attractive? And unfortunately the answer is no.
0: Well, that's the end of Wendy Richter. Um, and you know, I guess we should mention that most everybody listening to this, I shouldn't say most, but. A lot of our listeners are like 35 years old, so they wouldn't have seen a lot of the earlier stuff, but I still want to touch on it a little bit, and then we'll get into the more maybe modern era attitude stuff. They did the, uh, a Houston show right after you came into the company, July of 87 and Sherry Martell is going to pin the women's champion, fabulous Moolah to win the title. And I don't know why, but I just try as I might. I never really think of Sherry as a wrestler. I always think of Sherry as a manager. How would you compare and contrast, you know, those two performers as far as in the ring go, Mula and Martel,
1: in their prime? Uh, in their prime, both of them were great. Uh, like no, no doubt about it. Sherry at this time, and I'm going to, I'm going to go back cause you mentioned Houston and, and I'll go back in a little bit of my history with Mula. when Mula would come and, and you have to understand too, that this is a male dominated business. All right. So when promoters would bring in the women wrestlers, a lot of times they wouldn't have accommodations for them. The women would have to either dress in their cars dress at the hotel before they came down to the arena or have to do a makeshift in the guy's locker room or in a women's bathroom even. So a a lot of time the women were afterthoughts on the card. But when Mula came to Houston, we had one big locker room for all of the, the boys on one side of the building. Later on, they eventually built two, uh, when they got a hockey team, but Mula, uh, when she would come in, Paul Bosch would open up the dressing rooms in the music hall, which was attached to the Coliseum so that Mula and her opponent would always have their own locker room with bathrooms and showers and everything private away from the boys. And where they were protected and where they were safe, because a lot of times it was like, oh, yeah, you guys can dress in the in the women's restroom or put up a cordoned off area in the guy's locker room. And it just wasn't it wasn't separate, one segregated. And, and Mula had always remembered that when she came to work with Vince in 1987, that night with Sherry Martell I remember Lil coming in the building and walking towards the uh, music hall dressing rooms. Like, okay, you know, they're going to have these open up for me. And I, I caught her and I said, hey, no, we've got you over on the other side. Uh, it's a, It was a big hockey, big, long hockey locker room that had been built. And she's like, honey. Paul Bosch always had these here for me. And when I took her, I said, well, I think you're going to like these a little bit better. And I walked her across the building to the other side She says, well, if I had known these always existed, I'd say that cheap son of a bitch putting us in that old shitty locker room all them years to hell with him. Um, but they weren't, uh, you know, little, when she would come, they would use the, the other locker rooms for her, which were nice at the time, but the, the newer ones, and she had all, she had remembered that all those years later and it was just kind of funny. But that night, man, it was, uh, we were bringing Sherry in and Vince was looking to give Mula a rest, but he wanted to have a female attraction And Sherry had been highly touted and uh, we were bringing Sherry in and I'd known Sherry and and we, we vouched for, but Moolah was not completely on board. And so Sherry wasn't really one of her girls and Sherry had worked opposition to Moolah different times in her career. And, Mula was like, you know, Vince, whatever you want to do, but she's going to have to get through me. And Sherry came in and I think it was the first time Sherry had worked in a little while, like either a month or two. I don't know when the last time she had worked was, but Sherry came in out of shape and Mula beat the living shit out of her in that match. It's got to exist somewhere. Um, On tape, but Sherry was blown sky high and Moolah really was like, you want this championship, you better earn it and you better be able to hang. And after the match, Sherry was puking her guts out and thankful she was alive and couldn't have been more grateful to Moolah and just thanked her if you knew Sherry. Um, you'd understand she would thank you 10,000 times. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for everything. Oh God, everything was great. Thank you so much. I really, thank you. And that's the way she was with Lil that night. She was so grateful for the opportunity, but Lil told her afterwards, she says, honey, you're going to go up there. You're going to work for Vince McMahon. You better get your fat ass in shape because you're going to have to go. And I know you can go. But you come in here out of shape, and by God, I'll come in here and whoop your ass and take this thing from you the first time that he tells me that you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. So it was that was a tough road for Sherry Martell that night. She earned it.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, your our special show. We've talked about it before. The Paul Bosch Retirement Show. Again, Sherry Martell, fabulous moolah. Sam Houston Coliseum, a lot different than the last time you were here. I mean, just the month prior is 2,700 folks, but for this retirement show, it's a sellout 12,000 folks. What's the thinking in putting a women's match on here with Martel and Mula? It's just, was that sort of standard fare at the time? You've got to have a ladies match and maybe a little person match if you can.
1: No, it was. Moolah meant a lot to Paul and, and Moolah had come in for many years into Houston. And that night was all about every match kind of had special meaning in any weird way. Every match had, had meaning to Houston and to Paul in, in whatever strange way. And that was a return from the month before, but it also was something for Moolah to work on Paul's last show. It's
0: really remarkable that, you know, Moolah brushed up against all of these different talent, you know, going back so far and then here into the eighties, and then we're going to get to the nineties, her last match with the company for like 12 years, survivor series, 87, again, it's another sellout, but this is just a massive humanity, fabulous Moolah, velvet McIntyre, rock and Robin and the jumping bomb angels would defeat sensational Sherry. The women's tag champions, Leilani Kai and Judy Martin, Dawn Marie, and Donna Cristianello in an elimination match. We covered this a couple of years ago. Fuck, this was a long match. 20 minutes, 17 seconds. It's almost as long as last week's Halloween Havoc show. Women's wrestling has certainly come a long way, but it's never more evident of what the future was than when you go back and you watch a jumping bomb angel
1: match and them in
0: here with Some old timers, man, it just sticks out like a sore
1: thumb. Does it not? Yeah, it did. And it was a, it was a completely different style. The, the women were attractions. And for the most part, a lot, a lot of times they would go into the different markets and have the exact same match every night. You know, they had the referee spots and they worked with the same person every night. So it was a different style. Than what the men were doing at the time, especially those that were working the territory, that had to change up the way that they had their matches every night. Um, some guys would have in a program would have the same exact match every single night of the week, and then they would have to change it up from week to week. But the women, that was just it was a style. It was a different, different time and different era in the business.
0: Well. Mula's going to know that because this is her last match. You're part of the company at this time. When did you realize Moolah who's been a staple no longer going to be wrestling for us, does it change her relationship with Vince oh, what do you remember about that
1: gap? No, no, it didn't really change her relationship with Vince at all because Moolah still was the one where you had to go and train Moolah was the preeminent trainer of women wrestlers so Mula was still as she used to say getting her PC and Vince changed that and I believe he actually changed it with Wendy where he's like Lil I'm still going to pay you your PC but you're not taking it from the girls anymore I'll make sure that you're taken care of whenever any of your uh girls are working with us but you know we're not that that arrangement is no more and so Moolah was getting on in years and I don't think she wanted to travel she wanted to settle down and train train women wrestlers that was her deal that's what she wanted to do so this was her opportunity to kind of step back and and continue to do that. And she knew that Vince was going to continue to take care of her until the very end, which he did.
0: WrestleMania 10. We're going to have a couple of women wrestling here. It's a Lundra blaze and Lalani Kai German suplex, three minutes, 26 seconds. That's a wrap. Uh, a Lundra gets the win, but we see fabulous Mula may young and a bunch of other MSG vets, you know, Nikolai Volkoff, Captain Lou and Freddie Blassie. I mean, this shows you that even though she's not on the card for WrestleMania 10, they wanted to sort of pay homage to the legends. And clearly Vince holds her in high regard because she's in the shot.
1: Absolutely. And, and whenever we were anywhere in the area in South Carolina, we, we always made sure to try to do something with Lil, you know, whatever it was. And she always came back to, to say hello. So she was definitely still a part of the business.
0: Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with, um, the hall of fame in 1995. Fabulous Moolah joins Pedro Morales, Ivan Putski, uh, Antonio Rocca, the grand wizard, George Steele, Ernie Ladd. They're all now WWE hall of famers. It's held at the Marriott in Philadelphia. In June of 95, this is an interesting time for the hall of fame, but I don't think anybody could argue that all of these folks were legends, but how big of a deal was it to Moolah to be honored by the WWF and put into the hall of fame?
1: Well, she was the first woman and she woman, and she deserved to be the first woman in the hall of fame to be honored and to be recognized, uh, at this stage of her life, that was a huge, huge deal. And Moolah just looked at it as, you know, this was validation of her career and her life as a whole. Um, Mula did have a hall of fame career and she definitely deserved to be the first. Moolah was a trailblazer and without her, the women's wrestling, look, it would have happened, you know, uh, that's inevitable. But She was just such a pivotal part of it. Let's
0: keep it moving and talk about when we see her, maybe a different way. The September 9th, 1998 SmackDown was taped on September 7th in Albany, New York, Jeff Jarrett's cutting a promo in China, and he invites the fabulous Moolah into the ring and Lawler makes some sort of crack that Moolah was women's champ for a hundred years. And Jarrett said that Moolah knew that she shouldn't be wrestling the men. And Mula said she didn't wrestle men because they wouldn't let her. And then Jarrett knocks out Mula with a guitar shot for that remark. And then he tackles may young, who at the time was 75 and put her in a figure four, which is just tremendous. And of course this is building towards uh, a pretty special moment that we all know is coming. Unforgiven 98 is going to have Jeff Jira and China wrestle for the Intercontinental Championship and uh Mula and May Young are ringside. Who has the idea that hey, what if we did something physical with Mula and clearly it clicked because you kept bringing her back.
1: Well, I think originally that, that may have been either Vince Russo or Vince McMahon, one of the two that were doing everything at the time. Um it just was Lil's there, and she always would say, Hey, I'm ready to work. Anytime you want to put me in, honey, I'm ready to go. So it happened, and it worked, and I think people loved it. It was, it was so surreal to be watching that, and it's like you're watching your grandmother get attacked and getting physical in the middle of the ring. I thought it was pretty damn cool.
0: No, it is cool. Let's uh let's talk about the evening gown match. On a way to this pay per view with Jeff Jarrett and China, they do Mula and Mae Young against Ivory in an evening match. evening gown match. Of course, Ivory's gonna knock out Moolah. Um I don't know, man. This idea that we're stripping older ladies down to
1: what the fuck? You're not stripping older ladies down. The, these these women, these older ladies that you call older ladies, they're like, hey, what if I did this? What? If, you've got to look at it through their eyes and saying, hey, I'm not ashamed, and this is entertainment, and loving every single second of it, instead of sitting at home and saying, oh, I'm an older woman. So I'm going to sit home and knit sweaters for my grandkids. No, she was out there showing everybody that just because of your age or your gender or anything else, you could do anything you want to do. And she was going to do it. And she did.
0: Well, this whole series with her and Jarrett, you know, led to me and you having one of our best laughing fits ever during our Jeff Jarrett episode. Because there's just tons of women that Jared is attacking with guitars and figure fours. And then they gang up on him and along the way, there's, you know, Moulin may tagging up to take on ivory and miss Kitty and people are getting stripped down and I don't know. It's just in hindsight, it's a little weird. Um, but you know, it is what it is in, in October, they even do like a, a mud wrestling match with ivory and miss kitty and yeah, Moolah and may are there in the mud and loving Every minute of it. It's just, this
1: feels like it shouldn't have been. Am I wrong? No, I, again, it's to me, it was a celebration of, of them being who they are. if, you know, again, it's like, do you, do you want them to just sit home and do nothing? Or they're entertaining. We're, we're talking about it. It was fun, and it was something that they absolutely loved to do and got the biggest kick out of every single time they came back. And it just made you, from my vantage point, appreciate the love and dedication that they had for the business and the way that they felt about the business, that doing all those things that you, you sit there and go, oh, my God, it feels wrong. It feels this, that and the other thing that sometimes guys go, well, gosh, would I really do that? That makes me look silly. But yet a 70, 80 year old woman goes out there, makes a fool of herself and does everything under the sun and comes back with the biggest shit eating grin on her face and says, thank you, honey. That was a blast. She lived for those moments.
0: Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. Solid gold was the first holistic pet food company in America started all the way back in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Now Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a very much male dominated industry and created a natural pet food quote unquote, before it was cool. You see Sissy was inspired by European pet food and the fact that European Great Danes lived longer than their American counterparts. And her first recipe, Hund and Flocken, has now provided high-quality nutrition and digestive health for more than 20 generations of dogs. Solid Goals' nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind, spirit, and body. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including whole grain and grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, balance with living probiotics, and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, all the while supporting gut health. And nourishing your pet both inside and out. Now, right now, Solid Gold is offering our listeners 30% off their first order by visiting solidgoldpet.com forward slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle for 30% off your first order. Remember, 30% off your first order when you go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. Well, I mean, she has plenty of them and you guys give her her big moment in the sign, I can't believe this is a thing, but no mercy at the gun arena in Cleveland. She's going to become the oldest recorded champion in WWF history. She's 72 years old when she beats Ivory in three minutes and one seconds to become the women's champion, which, uh, she first won back in 56, which I think was probably before anybody on that card was even born. But Probably so, yeah And Mae Young's there, 76 years old Taking bump after bump It's not a great match But it is I don't know, what do you think? Sideshow attraction? How would you classify this?
1: A beautiful moment in time Where time stood still And we all got to appreciate The fabulous Mola And again It's to me The spirit of them going out there and doing what they love to do night in and night out. Um it just uh, it sounds hokey I'm gonna sound like Michael Hayes. Just makes me feel warm all over inside. Deep 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 well
0: I don't know about all that. Let's keep it moving here. Let's talk about uh <laughs> the October twenty fifth. Episode of raw. I should mention we're at 99 now. Moolah says she's got a major announcement. I think most people assume that she's going to vacate the title. She announces her retirement. Ivory comes out, rips on Moolah bounces may young, and then pins Moolah to win the belt back in 16 seconds. And this is, uh, We're throwing Mae young around here in a big way. Like this is a bump worth going to see. She goes over the top rope at 76 years old.
1: Was there ever taking bumps better than guys that are like 26 years old.
0: I mean, this is the same company though, that is really, really slow to let certain talent get back into the ring. But yet here, man, we're just throwing emails over the top rope. Like fucking no
1: different time. Different time, and, they, and that was something that, that, that they loved to do and did every day in their training camp. Even then, they were taking bumps every day in their camp. Well, she still, goes to, and it goes to show that you know, this is one of the things that, that I like to preach to kids that are just coming up in the business when you learn the fundamentals and you do everything as it's supposed to be done. And you protect your body and you protect yourself. You can do this business until the day you die.
0: Well, she kept it going in survivor series. She's going to team up with may young Tori and Deborah to beat Jackie, Terry, Luna and ivory. This is of course a survivor series match. And we should mention not too terribly long after this, I think November 22nd is when they're doing a, uh, a bridal shower segment with Stephanie. And may young acts like she's drunk and eventually (laughs) falls into the cake. This feels like it was a Bruce Prichard skit all day long.
1: It was not as a matter of fact, uh, not it. But, uh, for all I know, may actually probably had a few, you never know. It just might've fallen down. You know, may young is somebody that, that when you go back, she used to beat the shit out of the guys when she was coming up in the business and could party like there was no tomorrow uh with a cigar and a scotch in her hand so may young didn't give a shit she lived life i i wish you know me man i've lived life i've my 56 years i've i've lived that motherfucker as much as i fucking could um I wish I could live half the life that, that May Young did. She,
0: no, I'm not arguing that. I mean, she had a full. I mean, just every time you turn around, she's doing more, even at this advanced age. You know the um, the 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 bridal shower thing was one thing, but the next week, now they're showing footage of the wedding party. And Mulan May Young double team a male stripper.
1: Yes, they did. By God.
0: And then the, the next SmackDown, it's Thanksgiving, so we see them dressed ringside as a pilgrim and a turkey, doing the old the drunk old lady gimmick for May Young. In December, we're still not done. We got an evening gown match where Miss Kitty's going to win, and uh, she's going to show her boobs at the end like take her top off completely. And then may young threatens to, uh, go further than she did when she stripped her dress off. But thankfully slaughter saves us from all this and fabulous. Mula and may young are actually sent by the WWF as presenters at the billboard music awards. And, uh, yeah, this is not probably who MTV or the, the billboard folks were expecting. Well, is this a rib that you guys would send Mula and may young to the billboard
1: awards? They loved it. They were huge stars. Everybody knew who they were. Extraordinary. Again, an extraordinary billboard for folks in their later years and getting on out there and, and, having fun and living life to me. That was every time that you saw them, that's what you saw.
0: The raw around Christmas shows the Dudley's getting a win over the acolytes and uh, Moolah and may young Devon comes off the top <gasps> rope with a headbutt to may young's crotch and Bubba pinzer <laughs> And then the next day at the SmackDown taping, Mark Henry comes out with Moolah and Mae Young and reads a love poem to Mae.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and during that time, and and the Dudleys have actually shared this story, but Moolah um, and May told them both that they were just a bunch of pussies if they didn't hit them. And they said, you don't hit me, I'm going to hit you. And I trust you, you're going to feel it. And they did. They brought it and they came back and said, yeah, you're still a pussy. That's all you, that's the hardest you can hit. Just kept right on walking. So they, uh, were tough, loved it. They dished out everything they took and wanted more.
0: Throwing Bronco busters on crash on SmackDown around Christmas and as we roll into the new year, we've got a bikini contest at the Royal Rumble that May Young actually wins. What the fuck are you doing? The crowd voted fast forward one month We're at Madison square garden february twenty eighth and uh May Young is going to give Crash one of the worst big splashes ever, and then of course, you know what that means. She's going into labor and they have her backstage with an EMT, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, Mark Henry, and fabulous moolah. And they pull a hand out of may young, which we've recently learned went on to be a hell of a hand. And is a t-shirt at BrucePritchard.com. He's shown up to the, uh, Raw reunion, you told us, and we know where he is. Then, but I mean, I know it's funny how high and they're down for whatever. But come on, what do you think Mula thought about this hand
1: bullshit? Whatever you want, honey. Um, down there, they they were. Well, what's that? What's that thing you guys say when you're down for the? Help me out here. They loved it. What, what, what would the, what would the, the cool cat say? What do you mean? I don't know. Like you got all the hippity hop songs and, and like cool sayings and, uh, about what about everything. That's what they would've said. They would've said like the cool cat thing, like down with the clown or something like that.
0: Okay. So when you said, all right, so guys, here's what we got. May we're going to have you go into labor and you're going to give birth to a hand and Mula said, well, we're down with the clown.
1: Yep. All right. And shit, we're down with the clown and shit.
0: Okay. Um, talk to me about in March, um, Bubba kidnaps may young in a wheelchair. Moolah was supposed to be guarding her, but she's apparently turning heel to set up a Moolah versus Mae Young match at WrestleMania. So Bubba brings her to the entrance ramp, teases, is shoving her off, but instead well, you know what happens. Puts her through a table. What the fuck, man? You guys are trying to kill these old women.
1: No, we're not.
0: Help me understand how Vince tries to pitch that. What would that sound like?
1: Well, first of all, it wasn't Vince pitching it? It was it was Vince saying, "Now, goddamn, hang on, May. No, you're not going to go through that table." And May saying, "Yeah, fuck you, I am. If you're going to put me out, put me through a table." Goddamn. No, it was you know, the pitch was usually, "Let's get them involved. Let's do something with them, safe and and fun." They would always take it to the extreme. May wanted to take that bump. May wanted to, if if you're going to do something with May, then by God, you better make it big Had no problem with it. Man. When they did the, the, the bubble bomb through the tables and shit off the stage, may took that bump by herself. Um, without anybody even, even watching because it was onto a crash pad and just went, I mean, they just embraced everything, and and were. What do you want? What have you got for us this week? The more outlandish, the more they would tweak it even more, and loved every second of it.
0: It's just fascinating to me that you guys were still pushing the envelope. Let's talk about Insurrection Two Thousand. We've got the cat with May Young in her corner defeating Terry with Fabulous Moolah in her corner. This is an arm wrestling match. Of course, there's going to be some distractions, some shenanigans. Uh, Cat's going to flash the crowd. And this is really Moolah's last appearance on TV until like New Year's of 2001. But 2002 is, or I'm sorry, New Year's Eve on 2001. So December 31st. But in 2002, this is when the book comes out, The Fabulous Moolah, The First Goddess of the Squared Circle. And there's lots of, shenanigans in here. I guess we should run you through some of the timeline stuff though. She's the youngest of 13 when she was born. She's the only girl. Her mother dies when she was eight. She goes to live with her grandmother to uh, earn extra money. She would pick cotton when she's 14 years old. She gets married to a 21 year old named Walter Carroll, which is crazy. Two years later, she has Mary Carol and then divorces her husband at 16 years old. And when she's 17, she starts managing for Billy Wolf, who she found to be a despicable human being and saying he treated us like meat. And apparently Wolf was, uh, allegedly notorious for advising his wrestlers to enter into a sexual relationship with himself or other promoters to ensure additional bookings. And of course, Mula says she refused to go along with this. Billy Wolf is a name that a lot of fans may not be familiar with. What do you remember about Billy?
1: You know, obviously I've never met Billy Wolf. The only thing I ever heard was that he was, I think he was married to Mildred Burke and booked the women in the early days and was hated by pretty much everybody. And it was a... That was a dirty side of the business that, you know, later on you learn about it and go, what the hell? But he wasn't very well respected, but he had, he had control of the women. And if you wanted to use the women, you had to go through Mildred and you had to go through Billy. So that's really about all I know of him.
0: And 49. She would uh, begin a relationship with a wrestler named Johnny Long, who helped train her, and then they would marry. Six years later, Moolah would leave Long because of his womanizing and because Long wanted her to stop wrestling. But she would keep carrying on, and in '56, that's when she won the world's title for the first time in Baltimore, which apparently was a hotbed for championship titles, which is now that I think about it. But in 61, she married music and entertainment producer Buddy Lee. And Buddy Lee is a name that lots of people are gonna be familiar with. Um talk to me a little bit about your memories of him.
1: Well, Buddy was from Nashville, Tennessee, and Buddy booked Country Western Acts, both of them, Country and Western Acts, all over the country, all over the world. And you know, I, I knew Buddy in later years. And he had his Buddy Lee Promotions based out of Nashville, Tennessee, that we did a lot of different things with. Uh, Tony Conway was his assistant that went on to basically manage and run the place. But uh, yeah, it was that was an interesting pairing, uh, Mula and Buddy Lee. But at the same time, both of them were promoters and both of them were hustlers all the way.
0: We should mention that, uh, the next year, Billy Wolf, who was probably the most prominent women's wrestling promoter dies. So now there's a, there's a, a blank space for Moolah to really make her mark. Two years later, she becomes recognized as the NWA world's champion. And that same year, buddy Lee, her husband, and a woman named Rita Cortez would begin an affair. Moolah would find out about that relationship the next year and file for divorce. Two years later, of course, her ex, Buddy Lee, and Rita Cortez would marry. But at 69, in 1969, Girl Wrestling Enterprises is now under Moolah's full control. And she's even going to help overturn the New York State ban on women's wrestling in 72. And she purchases the rights to the NWA World's Women's Championship in 1978, which is pretty remarkable. Five years later. She would sell those rights to Vince McMahon jr. Of course, that's not a real person, but you know who I'm talking about, not his dad, and she's going to become the first ever WWF women's champion. We talked about her losing on MTV to Wendy Richter in 84, winning it back in 85 as the spider lady, talked about her losing the belt to sensational Sherry and captaining a team at the survivor series. And that's really it for in ring for her for quite a while. But this resurgence in 98 is really where she probably has her most notable run. I mean, as big as wrestling was in the eighties, 98 forward is when people pay attention to her, I think the most, and the book that we're, we've captured a lot of this information from the fabulous Moolah, of the first goddess of the squared circle was an autobiography from Oh two. And, uh, and she just keeps the hits coming in Oh three. I don't know. If we're going to get there. Uh, she takes an RKO from Randy Orton, which is kind of fun. And in a four, she finally has her last match in a WWE ring. Do you remember how sort of upset she was that it was finally over? I mean, I know that sounds silly because she's obviously well into her seventies at that point, but she seems like she was having so much fun. She never wanted this to end.
1: No, she didn't. But again, because of the type of person that she was, it wasn't sad for her. It was grateful. And it was, she was so happy to be able to have that match in and of itself. So that's, that's what she really looked at. She looked at the fact that, oh my God, this is. The greatest career that anyone could ever have and to be able at my age to go out and still have a match televised worldwide globally um, that was a huge kick to her and that was something that she was over the moon about
0: I do want to talk about a couple of little skits that happened in here there's a scary moment where she's doing some stuff this is during Eric Bischoff's three minute warning deal and they would attack Mula, and it's pretty scary to see may young taking a body slam and a splash off the top rope from these big boys. Was there ever a time where you guys said, God damn, that's too much. That's enough.
1: Well, if you go back and watch that stuff and you can see they're trying to take care of her, they, they took really good care of her. They were threatened with their lives if they, if they didn't, um, but same thing, just like the, that uh, Mula and may did with the Dudleys. They told three minute warning. They said, you better get in and you better, you better lay it in or else if you don't lay it in, I'm going to get up off your shit and no sell it. And then you're going to have to. So that's just the way they were. Yes. It looks scary. It's supposed to look scary. So Yeah. That was great
0: shit. I misspoke earlier. I said, well, into her seventies, I forgot that that RKO, uh, that happened in '03 three, that was actually in her hometown, Columbia, South Carolina. And that's her 80th birthday. So when she, uh, when she's 80, she's taken an RKO in Columbia. It's not her actual birthday, but you know, they k favored her birthday. And I just think that's fun that her, her dream is to, I want to have a match when I'm 80. Um, so would I, I just want to live to 80. Right. (coughs) Sorry. One of the more famous skits that I, you've enjoyed talking about over the years is the redneck triathlon, Steve Austin and Eric Bischoff. And the ladies played a fun role in this. And well, I'll let you take it from here.
1: Well, the, The end, the payoff was May Young giving a Bronco Buster Derek Bischoff. And as a rib, Vince had wanted May to have fish in her crotch, fresh fish. And one of the damnedest things ever was I'm looking for Mula and May, and I find Moolah. And I say, Moolah, we got to go. You guys are coming up. She says, honey, I'm still sticking fish in May's panties. And the rest, as I say, is history. But, um, they were always down for a rib and always down to, you know, what do you need, honey? I mean, they would come up and ask you, do, do you need one of them to stretch somebody? In men it. So I mean it's just uh, A unique Very unique breed
0: Let's talk about the movie Lipstick and Dynamite It came out in 05 And most of the wrestlers in that movie Were very negative about Moolah in particular And a lot of that is maybe just Creative because they're upset that she was The champion for decades and She never allowed a younger talent to get to the top spot. Of course, may young was always the only defensive voice of Moolah. Why do you think when all the other women were sort of turning their back on Moolah and having negative things to say, may was right there.
1: Well, I think that uh, as far as the other women go, I think a lot of it was just petty jealousy and Mula was the boss. So rather than either look in the mirror and, and whatever and say, okay, um, blame it on your boss and, and blame it on her. But Mula was a shrewd businesswoman. Um, Mula took care of herself. Yes, she did. Mula was selfish and took care of herself without a doubt. It was her game. It was her ball. And that's the way that she did business. Um, And I just think people were were jealous and and bitter from years gone by, but, but may and Mula had always, had always been friends and just stayed together all those years.
0: All right. Let's talk about something that's going to be a little weird. I feel like we've got to address the controversy Uh, a couple of years ago uh, in 2018, I guess it was early 2018. They announced the fabulous Moolah Battle Royal with the concept that this is sort of the female equivalent of the Andre, the giant Memorial Battle Royal. They want to have a big women's match. There are all the women in there. And when they announced this, there's lots of movement online. And this is a different era where, you know, people can get behind an issue and, and you can impact change. And as a result, there's some sponsor pressure. WWE being a publicly traded company has to address that. They changed the name. And it's no longer the, um, the fabulous Moolah battle Royal. And I think a lot of people started to hear negative things about Moolah for the first time. There's some really bad accusations out there, uh, but not all of them are met with, um, well, let me just read from the observer. He says, uh, I've corresponded with banner. He's talking about Penny banner, who was a regular reader of this publication. And she was very strong in her opinions. That said, she was so strong in them that I didn't consider her, consider her to be that credible. But when Mula passed away, she was furious at the glowing bios that came out with the idea that Mula was a wonderful person and a legendary tough shooter in real life, saying it was utter bullshit. Quote, Let the, let's get this out of the way first so I don't have to dance around the subject. Mula was a pimp, end quote. She's claimed that she'd send out underage wrestlers to photo shoots that she described this would be considered pedophilia, and pornographic by today's standards. She claimed Mula sent women to territories with the understanding that women would have to have sex with the promoters and the wrestlers.
1: Quote, that's a lie, and and again, I mean that's just and it's ludicrous. Well, here's the I mean, for even, people, but but for people for for Dave Meltzer to print that shit is ludicrous in and of itself as well. But he wrote, you know, I was ludicrous.
0: My belief is that this is very much exaggerated. Banner had also claimed that in working for Wolf, that didn't happen. And I can't believe things were all that different. She said the reason women's pro wrestling in North America turned into a joke was just for men to ogle at tits and asses. And that's a large part of how Mula trained her women and how she wrestled. This, and, and listen, I'm not saying that Mula was a great person. I don't know Mula. I never met Mula. But even Meltzer says, boy, this reads like sour grapes. Um,. I don't know, man. When did you first start to hear any sort of negativity? And don't get me wrong, from the money standpoint, we should address that. Yes, Moolah kept part of the paydays, and that's what you're talking about, the PC. If you were trained by Moolah, she got a piece of what you made for a long, long time. And some would say it was 20%. Some would say 35 or 40. Some have even said 50. But you got to wonder, is this almost like you know, the uh, telephone, telegram, tele wrestler that game of telephone. Eventually it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, is this character assassination? How much of that did you believe? When did you hear about it? What do you know? About well, uh,
1: you know, I've, I've heard those stories over the years and I, I find them to be, as I said, ludicrous is, is probably the best when, when you call moolah a pimp and you, that has a sexual connotation to yeah. it. Um, what Moolah did for the business and for the women in general, well, she protected them from the unscrupulous promoters that wouldn't pay. And that she protected the women is what Moolah did. And I think every, every claim, you know, when you hear those type of things about someone that, you know, and that you've known for many, many years, you base your opinion on what you know. and, every claim was refuted by someone. And I think that to do that to the memory of someone after they're gone in, in that regard, as far as, I don't know, it it just, um, never did she take the only, the only negative i ever heard on Moolah was that she took, Percentage of their pay, which was laid out in their contract clearly before they even started training day one. I've heard, well, she made us live on her, uh, on her grounds. It's a training center for a hundred dollars a month. Okay. She provided you with a place to live for a hundred dollars a month. You paid rent. If you didn't live there, you did not have to live there, but if you didn't live there, you would have to live somewhere else and pay for that. So when you, when you break down these accusations, it's nothing but sour grapes and it's nothing but negativity to be negative. And when, you know, of the things that, that I do know about her, it's, She, she fought for women's rights and she was up in front. She was ahead of the curve on all of that. So to your negative after the fact, it's just sad. And the moolah that I knew, the Lillian Ellison that I knew, um, was kind. Hey, she was shrewd. She was tough. You know, to say she was rude, I think, is a little snug. Um, I don't know that she was ever rude. The way that she treated my family, my wife and kids, Jesus Christ, you would think that that she had known them her entire life. Um, that's the kind of person that I knew, and that's what I can speak to. I can speak to every dealing that I ever had with her was professional and And pleasant. Um, so when you hear that type of negativity, I have to, uh, you can only take it with a grain of salt, especially after you hear that. And then people come out. That's why I try not to listen to it because then people come out and say, no, none of that's true. And yes, you know, the only thing, yeah, she took a PC. She took a percentage. She sure did. Guilty.
0: The, uh, the controversy allegedly gets stirred up because there was an Oh six story, uh, covering the late sweet Georgia Brown. And I guess this, uh there's these interviews done by Janine. I'm going to butcher this last name. Meoseth, who trained under Mula and wrestled briefly as mad Maxine. And she says there was an incident where Mula had set up a booking for her in Arizona that would have included her having to do sexual favors. And uh, Meltzer would say, as was the case with all the bookers of women's talent over the years, from Billy Wolf to Buddy Lee, many would deny sexual favors as at least being insisted upon. But given the nature of what wrestling was, the idea that women wrestlers had sex, in some cases with promoters for better bookings or payoffs, is just natural. And I think some of that is probably just And again, it's the old, every it's political, it's wrestling. So people are going to create things. So if that girl's getting a push, it's got to be because of this, or if she's getting more money, it's got to be because of that. And so there's all this negativity around it that, you know, this sort of bubbles up to the surface again, 12 years later after this story comes out. But the biggest thing that everybody agrees on is that Moolah did, um, take a large portion of, of the paydays
1: and that 20% is not a large portion. Well, and, it, and again, when you look at what, what agents get in Hollywood and everything else, that's not a large portion.
0: Ultimately there's a groundswell of support. There's a big petition signed. They get thousands of names. It's changed in hindsight. Do you think that was an overreaction?
1: I, you know, I have no idea um i wasn't i'm not privy to what took place in it and i really you know how i was a few years ago i didn't pay attention to to what was going on at the time uh a lot because i would get sick of of the negativity so i i couldn't give you an opinion one way or another because i don't know enough about it i don't know the particulars and that would not be fair to anybody involved
0: we should mention that uh, Medusa had a podcast where she addressed some of this and she had Leilani Kai on and she said she lived at Camp Moolah for 20 years and she was never drugged and that Moolah was a great legend and deserved to be honored. And Susan Green said that Moolah took 30% of her money, but she had no problem with that because she signed a contract with that figure and knew it ahead of time. And Lisa Darnell claimed Mula never did anything inappropriate, but if there was women who Mula would have pimped out, it was her. And, uh, Brittany Brown also says Mula took 30% of her gross, but she said that was a contract she freely signed. And Peggy Lee did say that Luna's story about a doctor taking inappropriate photos, mentioning that there was a doctor who'd like to take photos of the women and Mula would approach the women and ask if they'd like to go out there. Some did, some didn't, but nobody ever said anything about sex. I gotta say, you know, this. It's not nearly as startling as maybe it was as a headline when it first came out, when you really dig into it. And again, who knows what the real story is all these years later.
1: And, and it's just a lot of rumor and innuendo that, that becomes, if you say it enough, that it becomes what it is. And, and that's, that's not fair either.
0: I guess we should mention, cause we didn't talk about it. There, there was the claim that, you know, Luna was, was sent out. By Moolah And You know Photographed By an older man And felt uncomfortable I mean Did any of this Come up at all As far as you know Until 2006
1: No No no, It didn't And And when you You sit there And you say that That just That's not something Moolah would do
0: What's worth mentioning too That Peggy Lee Would respond to that Allegation About Luna And say that you know, She was in her twenties when she got to Mula, she wasn't 16. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those deals where I feel like, you know, people are going to sort of draw their own conclusions one way or another. And
1: I don't know. It's, it's they are, but they're, ba- but if they're basing their conclusions on that rumor and innuendo, then you know what? It is what it is. I'm basing my conclusions on personal experience of over 40 years knowing the woman. And that's my personal experience. That's dead on personal experience and knowledge of a lot of the situations. So when you hear isolated, then you hear that they're all, you know, either recanted or disputed and debunked then it, it's sad that the, the – the, because people only remember the fascinating shit. They only remember the titillating, uh, nasty rumor and innuendo and bullshit. They never remember the, oh, well, you know what? That couldn't have happened because this is what really happened or no, that didn't happen and I was really mad at the time when I said it. They don't remember that part. And, and I think that's what you got. There's a bunch of rumor, innuendo and lies that are made up out of jealousy, pettiness, and, and whatever throughout the years.
0: Gang Grail has referred to Moolah as a pimp saying that Moolah was the exclusive and only place to book girls. Mad Maxine, as we mentioned, said she pimped out women to creepy men and uh, golden girl oh. who we said, Lisa Darnell said, Hey, if that was going to happen, it would've happened to me. I was the young, fresh girl and it didn't happen. Brittany Brown says, if anything like that happened to me, I would have owned back faster than you could have ever written my name down. <clears throat> Diamond Lil says, that's a lie. It never happened. Whoever saying that is crazy. Um, the tag partner of Luna was Sean. Winona Littleheart says, no, she never pimped me out. And as far as I know, no other girls either. Peggy Lee says, no, she was not a pimp. She was my booker. She booked me for a certain percentage. All this about being a pimp just makes me sick inside because she was nothing but a businesswoman, and Linda Gonzalez. No, never heard any of this. i would never been told nothing at all. Anytime I was booked, not once when I was on the road, did she say, you need to go with this person or anything like that. Uh, Susan green, uh, you know, she says, as for the allegations of Moolah pimping girls, nobody ever came to my room late at night. So there's tons and tons and tons of folks coming out to say it's the other way. I mean, even sweet Georgia Brown's son, said something like, had it not been for Moolah, the KKK would have probably hung my mother. Even Del Wilkes, who we know is from South Carolina says, um, when he was asked about her being empowering and being inclusive, I think she did both to a high degree. How many of the ladies that came through Moolah's facility that Moolah got booked on shows all over this world. I think that's about as empowering as you can get. She did what she could to help all of us, be it a man or a woman. And that includes the inclusion aspect as well. There's white men, white women, blacks There's straights. There's gays. That's as inclusive as you can get. And if you had a dream and wanted to fulfill that dream, Moolah opened the door and allowed you to do just that. Candy Malloy would say, I think she made professional wrestling for women. I know there were a few women wrestlers before us, but she put us where we are today and Linda Gonzalez, a former Hispanic WBF star said, I know for myself, uh, I don't feel like she held me back. No. To be given this chance, Mula even gave me her suit. I don't think she took anything away from me. It's just fascinating that when you scratch a little beneath the surface, you've got maybe a little more to this story than, than what the, the clickbait articles and the headlines were at first. But a lot of these folks are no longer with us. And, and you just have to wonder what was real and what wasn't. But we know where you stand on
1: this, do we not? absolutely and, and again even just by that i think there's a lot more people that would come out and debunk most of the accusations
0: well the good news is women's wrestling has evolved and ww2k20 is here relive the groundbreaking journey of the four horsewomen and the women's evolution from their start in nxt to 2019 when the women headlined wrestlemania for the first time in history in the 2k showcase And for the first time ever in WWE 2K, play as both a female and male character in my career. You can unlock WWE legends, original characters, and unique environments as you make your way from the indies to the WWE Hall of Fame. WWE 2K20 also shines a spotlight on Roman Reigns in 2K Towers Roman's Reign. It's available now for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and your PC. Well, Bruce, what else is there to say about the fabulous moolah? She's a hall of famer. She was a lightning rod of controversy for a little bit. She was a pioneer. What do you think her legacy will be? and, And how much do you think it's been tarnished by the allegations a few years ago?
1: Well, I think time will untarnish it. And, uh, she was the perennial women's champion and that is her legacy. She was the women's champion. She was a friend of mine and, um, Taught me an awful lot throughout the years. So Godspeed.
0: Give me something that, that Moolah taught you over the years. Is there a one Moolah story or one Moolah old school wrestling tip or trick? or?
1: I think, you know, the, the main thing that Moolah taught me is, especially in the later years, that you never know. You never know when it's all going to come to an end. So enjoy it while you can and make the most out of it. And she used to tell me that shit all the time. She's like, honey, enjoy this time. Enjoy the time that you have right now to the utmost as far as you can take it. And if you get another day tomorrow, do the same thing tomorrow. And that's the way that she lived life. And that always, when when you're hearing this from an 80 year old woman and you've been hearing it from her for the last 10, 20 years or what have you, it just, you go, you know what? That's pretty good fucking advice. And live everything as if it's your last day on earth. And Moolah did.
0: Well, and we hope that you guys enjoyed what we were putting together for you today. It's a pretty controversial topic. And, um, We'd love to hear your feedback. What do you think? Uh, tweet us at Pritchard show on social media, uh, or you can go ahead and find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash something to wrestle. And next week, Bruce, we need to make a decision, man. I had planned on us going back and watching the wrestling classic. It was, uh, one of the first big shows and a very special show, but it is a watch along because you weren't there.
1: And I've never seen it.
0: That was brutal. So what do you think? Would you be into that? You think, or maybe not so much,
1: you know what? Let's try
0: it. I like it, because and we can have some fun around it. It's a tournament with Adrian Adonis and Corporal Kirshner, dynamite kid, and Nikolai Volkov, Ivan Putsky and the macho man, Randy Savage, the Dave Davey Boy Smith and Ricky steamboat, the iron Sheik and junkyard dog, Terry funk and moon dog spot, Don Morocco and Tito Santana. Paul Orndorff and Bobby Eaton, (laughs) Eaton, Horton, been doing too much WCW lately. And somewhere in there, they slide us in a world heavyweight championship match between Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. It's available now on the WWE network. This is going to be a lot of fun, or I hope so. And if it's not, we're never doing another watch along again, but we know what November is going to be after that. It's all about survivor series. What are you looking forward to most 99, 89, or 94? Probably 89. Really? Yeah. I'm going the other way with it, man. I'm thinking I, I I know you're going to think this is crazy talk. I think survivor series 94 is going to be a more entertaining story.
1: Yeah, maybe, but I, I like the nostalgia.
0: Well, I just think we haven't spent a lot of time. I'm fucking old Conrad. That's true. 94, in case you don't recall, is a casket match with Chuck Norris as a special guest referee. Undertaker and Yokozuna. Come on, we also got the Million Dollar Team, which is Bam Bam Bigelow, Jimmy Del Ray, King Kong Bundy, Tatanka, and Doctor Tom, taking on Cuts and Glory, which is Adam Bomb, Bart Gunn, Billy Gunn, Lex Luger, and Mabel. Bob Backlund is going to be in a submission match for the World Heavyweight Championship with Bret Hart. The Royal Family. Is going to take on clowns are us. Yes, that's a real thing. And then the bad guys, the one, two, three kid, British Bulldog, Fight Two, Razor Ramon, and Sion are gonna take on Diesel, Jeff Jarrett, Je- Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, and Shawn Michaels. What a interesting time in the World Wrestling Federation.
1: <coughs> yes. And on that note looking forward to that one as well. Real. San Antonio.
0: We're gonna let you 94. go die now. I know that you've
1: got to die. So, I'm not gonna die. Damn it! Oh, hey, I- that was my first cough that I didn't hit the cough button. Listen, I'm proud
0: of you, and I like that you call it a cough button when really you're just fumbling around your mic, turning it off.
1: No, I'm not. I just say it's a button. It's a button on the side.
0: Um, is SmackDown gonna suck tonight, or is it gonna be awesome? It'll be awesome. Tell everybody what time and channel.
1: Fox, baby, eight Eastern, and Pacific.
0: <laughs> I hope it's more fun for you than it is for us because you sound like run over asshole and spill fuck. No, it, I baby.
1: but I feel great. It's just my it's just my voice.
0: Oh well, then suck it up, Buttercup. What the fuck? We'll see you next Friday and everybody every Friday right here on Something to Wrestle with
1: Bruce Pritchard, Shaka Khan, Pasha Fuck yeah.
0: How's pathetic?
1: I know. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together,